0: Welcome back to another episode of the Real Life Theology Podcast hosted by Renew. My name is Chris. Great to be with you again today. Thank you for joining us. We have another great episode and session by Paul Hugabart, one of our associate directors. And this is part two of a series we've been going through. He talks about what it looks like to be transformed. So let's go ahead and check out what he has to say and really take this and see what the spirit is speaking to you today.
1: Man, it's good to see you all this morning as we move into part two of this series that we are calling Clay, asking this question, what is shaping you? Last week, we acknowledged a few kind of basic truths, one, that we're all being shaped by something, or maybe even this deeper reality that there are many things that are shaping us as we look at this world around us. And that's one of the things that we're going to acknowledge this morning specifically is that there are many things at work shaping us. And so if you're not sure, if you're unsure what's shaping you, hopefully we'll illuminate some of that this morning. We said last week this, that life is a constant process of being formed by experiences, relationships, the content we consume, et cetera. And we put etc in there because there are so many things, again, at work shaping you and shaping me. Sometimes we realize when we're being shaped. Sometimes we enter into experiences, hoping that they will shape us. And sometimes we're not aware of what is at work, even shaping us. But you and I are all being shaped. Many things are working to shape us and form us. Last week, as we talked about this, we had Carol Hale, who came on stage. And it's so great to be at a place where we have resident artists and others with many gifts and talents that can help illustrate things for us and Carol sat here yet last week at this pottery wheel shaping this pot right here in fact as we were listening we got to watch what it looked like to see a pot shaped and many times in scripture we are compared to clay you and I are earthen vessels or or maybe even God says that we're formed out of dust and a little bit of water to that dust and it becomes clay and pretty soon we can see how something, maybe even our lives, can take shape. And so we're acknowledging that this month, that you and I, God says, are like clay, being formed, being shaped, being molded. And our goal as followers of Jesus is that nothing would shape us more than God himself. So it's been already mentioned this month we are work- walking through our our period of prayer and fasting to kick off the year 2023 and we're doing so with uh 21 days of fasting and prayer and hopefully you've had the chance to join that experience it's not too late to jump in we're on day 9 you can jump in at day 9 you can start from the beginning and say, look, I didn't I didn't jump in when everybody else did, but I will jump in and get this journey going. You can find the prayer guide on our app, on the website, and many other places it's available. Well, we're looking to join this journey so that we are shaped. And I asked a few questions in an email I sent out this week, and hopefully you received that. If you haven't, it's on our newsletter this week, and you can take a look at that and try to answer a few of those questions. Actually, they're questions that you would ask of someone else that you know is walking this journey, because we're often shaped as we kind of bump into each other and maybe share a similar experience and then debrief that experience. So it's good for us to ask questions of each other like, how has God been speaking to you this week? Is there anything that God has been calling you to do? And then maybe the third and most important of those questions, how can I help you? How can I walk with you, alongside you in this journey? We also gave out, it was pretty cool, we actually ran out, we'd ordered 300 of these little lumps of clay and we ran out of these last week because so many of you said, yes, I want to participate in this in some way. We gave out these little lumps of clay so that we could have you ask this question and then maybe transform that lump of clay into something that represented Either something that's been shaping you that you know you need to let go of, or something that represents what you hope God will shape you into in the year ahead as you surrender to him. And I just gave you my little example in that, my crown of thorns. Jesus was king of all kings, but gave that up for us, and I want to be like him. And so again, we're asking this question this month. What is shaping you? Before we dive into se- the second part of this message together let's let's pray and offer this time to God. Father, we just uh, we just ask this morning that you would be present, that you, through your words, would again work to shape us, to mold us, to guide us. God, I pray, knowing that many things are shaping us, influencing us, leaving an imprint upon us, and I pray that even this morning In this short time that we spend together, God, your imprint might be pressed more deeply upon us. Especially as we read these words of Scripture, God, we pray that you would be at work on our hearts. That again, God, you would take us and mold us so that in the end we would look more like Jesus. This is what we ask and pray and amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up this morning to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be reading from verses 24 through 29. Before we do that, I want to give you just a little bit of context. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, Jesus preaches what's often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. He he tells us what what a blessed life looks like, And it's not always the kind of life that we would imagine when we think about what the good life or the blessed life looks like. Jesus teaches his disciples things like how to pray. He tells them what really matters most in life. He tells them what kind of heart they ought to have, what kind of mindset they ought to have as they live life. And at the end of all of this conversation, Jesus says, these words after he's been preaching to this crowd his disciples after he's been sharing them sharing with them a vision for what his people will look like should look like he says these words he says therefore everyone who hears these words what i've just been speaking all of what i've said everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice in other words if you've heard what i've said And it's made an impact upon you. If it's left an imprint upon you. If my words are working to change and transform you. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Well, that person, Jesus says, is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you hear these words and you put them into practice, the foundation for your life and everything you build upon it will be solid and firm and rooted and stable. Jesus goes on to say, so when you build upon this foundation, the structure that you build, if the rains come down, And then the streams rise and the winds blow. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking metaphorically. He's saying when the storms of life come, what you build will stand. He says the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation upon the rock. Now, now you and I know what it's like to face the storms of life, right? I mean, is there anybody in here who's had nothing but smooth sailing? No, not a one of us. We've all faced the times in life where we feel like the rain is coming. We've even got sayings like, when it rains, it pours. I mean, you you ever felt that? Ever been there where you feel like it's raining and it just won't stop? When it rains, it pours. The streams around me are rising. I can remember making the trip in 2005 down to Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina had hit. And we went to a little area called Bay St. Louis. Bay St. Louis during Hurricane Katrina was entirely underwater. In fact, when you went there, we'd seen places where the National Guard and others had gone house to house looking, not for survivors, looking for bodies in these houses, because again, the houses were completely underwater. If you didn't get out, you didn't survive. And so there would be X's and numbers and other things on these houses. And I don't know exactly what the code meant, but man, it just put in you this eerie feeling knowing what had happened here. And I can remember having a conversation with one couple who was rescued through their roof. They had to break their way through their roof to get on top of the house as the floodwaters were rising, quite literally. You may have had a time in your life where you're looking around and it feels like all around you the floodwaters are encroaching. How can you get out of this? Who will rescue me? Jesus says, the winds blew. So all of this happened. So metaphorically, we experience these times in life where all of that is what is ongoing. But even in situations and circumstances like that, Jesus says, what you build, if you build upon the right foundation and then the structure that is built upon that foundation, if we build our lives upon his words, upon the example of his life, upon the firm foundation that is God himself. Whatever you face in life, it will stand. I mean, that's his promise. That's an incredible promise to consider. But Jesus says not everyone is like that. In fact, there are a whole lot of people that don't live their lives like this. And so Jesus tells us the other alternative. He says in verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. In other words, you've been listening to what I'm saying, Jesus says. And you determine, nah, I got this. I know better. That that doesn't sound all that good. That doesn't sound right. I don't hear wisdom in what he's saying. I've heard another teacher and I believe He's wiser. Whatever the case is. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Okay, so get that picture in your mind. We can build on rock. We can build on sand. What's built on sand gets washed away. Jesus goes on to say this, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There's something different about what Jesus was saying, but not just what he was saying, but the way he said it as well. And many in the crowd noticed the difference. There's a difference between being amazed at Jesus teaching and putting Jesus teaching into practice. And so we don't know how many that day walked away and said, that's what I'm choosing from here on forward. You see, the reality is this. We can allow ourselves to be shaped by the words and person of Jesus. I mean, that's basically what Jesus is saying. You can allow your life to be shaped by both the words and the person of Jesus. To do that is wise. There's another reality. We can allow ourselves to be shaped by the other influences that are continually pressing in on us. And it's an allowing. And Jesus says, that then is foolish. Let me just give you a a little bit of a Christian worldview real quickly. We believe that, that God is our creator. And as our creator, God is also our designer. And if that is true about God, then the designer knows best what shape the creation should take. Are you with me? Okay, so so God is our creator. God is our designer. Who knows best what shape the creation should take? Well, he does. Let me illustrate this for you this way. When I was in high school, there was a time where I thought I wanted to become an architect, right? So I I was taking some drafting classes in high school. I enjoyed that for the most part. There was a point in time where I realized this is actually way beyond me and I'm not going to be able to do this, but I enjoyed the pursuit of this and understanding, especially looking at blueprints or maybe even creating some designs. Maybe you, you were in a class like this where you made one of those bridges out of balsa wood, basically matchsticks, and you're just kind of gluing them together, and then you're putting as much weight on it as possible, and you're in competitions with others. Well, we did that in some of these drafting classes. And so you got to see that, that design matters an awful lot. And understanding the design matters an awful lot. And in that process, especially when we were building those bridges, we were both the designer and then the implementer, the builder of those designs. And so we were meticulous in that. You understood the design and the concept that you had created, and then you understood exactly how you're going to put that together as well. And depending on what kind of a designer you were and builder you were, your outcome might be good, or it might be the thing that everybody ended up laughing at. right? But, But in most cases, when we have these architectural schemes drawn, the designer and the builder are actually not the same person. The builder looks at the plans of the designer, the architect, and then implements that. And in many ways, that's true about us in life. And a lot of these designs are incredibly complex, but the blueprint indicates what the outcome ought to be. The blueprint is a schema that points to what the real thing should look like. Here's what I want to tell you. As it relates to the building of your house, your life, foundation that goes with it. As we look at this world around us, there are many different blueprints that you can choose from. Many different things. As we've acknowledged, there are many things at work shaping us. There are many different things you could choose to be in. Many different worldviews you could accept and say, that's what life should be like. Let me share with you something that I think is actually kind of scary. The more time I spend looking at this, the more I realize that there are many things at work shaping me, the more I actually have come to learn that I don't always know what is at work shaping me. I'm often oblivious when I'm being shaped. There are many times I'm ignorant to the influence that something has upon me until I start to perfect, you know, purposely examine what it is. I don't see the blueprint that is leaving its mark on me at times. So when acknowledged first, this slightly scary thing, we don't always know what is shaping us. But then another somewhat scary thing is we don't always know when something is shaping us. This morning, as we continue to ask this question, especially in light of Jesus' words, And we consider that if we listen to his words, that's wise. If we're shaped by him, that's wise. But if there are many other things at work shaping us, it can lead us down a very different path. So I want to ask this question. I hope you're asking this question as well. If these last two things are true, is that we don't always know what is shaping us, and we don't always know when something is shaping us, then we might want to ask this question, well, what is... What are those things that are shaping us? Especially within our contemporary society, what are those things that are shaping us? We're going to borrow this morning. You're going to see eight different things that are shaping us that we're often not aware of. And this book is called Hidden Worldviews because of the fact that there are things that are hidden there. They lay beneath the surface and we often just move through life not really thinking that deeply about what is impressing itself upon us. But as Christians, we ought to. We ought to be asking the question, what is shaping us? Because if we don't, it may not be God at work shaping us. It may be something else. So, in this book, they present eight cultural stories that are shaping our lives. The authors are two guys named Steve Wilkins and Mark Sanford. This book was actually written back in 2009, but you'll see, even though it was written roughly 14 years ago, These continue to be things that lie just beneath the surface that often shape our lives. So here's the first of the eight worldviews. The first is this, individualism. Basically, the idea that I am the center of the universe. Now, you, you may feel like you know somebody who lives like this. We sometimes even say this about people. He's in his own little world. Man, see, you guys know this. Right? And if you didn't know it, then maybe you're the person that's in your own little world. I don't know. Because everybody else is saying it about you. All right? He's in his own little world. She's in her own little world. She thinks she's at the center of the universe. I mean, we say this, but sometimes it's true about us. Sometimes we operate upon the belief that nothing matters more in life than me. You've got to look out for number one. Yeah, you got Right. We know this. We're familiar with this. I mean, sometimes we feel like we've got to look out for number one, because if we don't look out for number one, who's going to look out for number one? Nobody's looking out for you except for you. So you better do it. Look out for yourself. And in the end, what matters most is what you want for yourself. You get to dictate what life looks like for you. Because you're at the center of your universe. The next one is this, consumerism. The belief that what you are is based upon what you own. That what you have defines you. I mean, sometimes it can be the house we own. Sometimes it can be the car we have. I mean, I'm a, I'm a truck guy, right? So what I have defines me. Well, what does a truck guy look like? Well, you may have in your mind what a truck guy looks like, and I drive a hybrid. Well, you may have in your mind what a hybrid... I've driven both a hybrid and a truck, by the way. So there you go. Label me a hybrid and a truck guy. But whatever we own sometimes defines us, and it can be a whole lot of different things that can fall into these categories. But consumerism is the belief and the worldview that the things we own actually define us. And if that's true, you can imagine the type of shape. Apparently, somebody wants me to finish this message really, really quickly. Tell you what, while you guys get back, there you go. Good, good work, man. All right. So next worldview, We'll, we'll move to the next worldview. Next worldview is this moral relativism. The idea that there is no absolute truth. So my truth is as valid as your truth. This is a big one in our our contemporary culture right now. In fact, we hear people saying, we spent a good portion last year during the month of January talking about this idea that you just go live your own truth. You can make your own purpose and meaning in life. You can define that to be whatever you want. And here's the kicker with that. Whatever you choose is just as valid as whatever anyone else chooses. And that's a big one we're living through today. And if that is what you believe, you can end up any number of places. But the belief is this, that there is no capital T truth. Therefore, you can make up whatever you want to do and you can say, this is the meaning and purpose of my life. And don't you judge what I'm doing, and I won't judge what you're doing. Next one is this, scientific naturalism, only matter matters. In the end, basically this idea that that we, you and I, we don't have a creator. And we all came from basically a pile of nothing. The trouble with that is at some point in time, it leads you to this place, what some have determined is, you know, what some have labeled existential nihilism. If we came from nothing, then in the end, you and I are actually nothing and there is nothing to aim at and no real purpose in life. And so if only matter matters, then in the end, if you pursue this to its logical conclusion, then nothing matters. Then there's this next worldview that shapes some of us, the new age, where we're asking really this question, are we gods or are we gods? Are we gods? Are you and I all going to rise to this certain plane? If we just free ourselves and enlighten ourselves, can we be deity or, or were we created by a deity? Or this one that we're seeing more and more of here lately. This idea of postmodern tribalism. My tribe, my worldview. This idea that often the things that are somewhat immutable about us put us into categories. And whatever category you happen to fall into, male, female, white, black, Asian, Latino, Whatever that happens to be, whatever your tribe is, that defines you. And it leads to this idea that we often feel like we see around us that that people act as though they are a monolithic block, right? Everybody who's a man is supposed to just think the same. All men think the same. All women think the same. All white people think the same. All Asian people think the same. All black people think the same. And that's just not true about us. But this is more and more, these are more and more the boxes we're being pushed into depending upon whether or not we buy into this idea of postmodern tribalism. Then the last one salvation by therapy. Uh, This is an interesting one for me because I am a therapist. But I also see the downfall and the pitfall of believing that somehow we can be saved. If we just get the right guidance, if we just get to spill our guts to the right person enough over and over again, if we unpack the past, if we understand everything that's happened to us, we can then shape everything that will happen to us going forward. This is also a very popular worldview right now. And again, what's scary about all of these worldviews is that we don't often know what is shaping us. And we don't often know when we're being shaped. But many things, church, are at work shaping you and me. These worldviews that lie just beneath the surface of our lived experience are shaping us. And so what that exposes is this truth. That the assumption that my life is primarily being shaped by God, even if I call myself a Christian, may be false. I mean, do you see that in Jesus' words in Matthew 7? Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that person is like a wise man. You can hear the words of Jesus over and over and over again. You can read the words of Jesus over and over and over again. And the words of Jesus don't change and shape you. I mean, that's a possibility. It's a very real, very true reality that, that we can be confronted with the words of Jesus, maybe even call ourselves a Christian. But in the end, not be shaped by god we can grab a hold of this blueprint or that blueprint or or that blueprint or maybe not even know that we're allowing ourselves to be influenced by a blueprint that is not the blueprint of god but but there is good news even though there are some frightening things and there are some hidden things and things that maybe we don't Always acknowledge are there. Here is the good news. God makes this promise. If you will allow him to form you, whatever has been shaping you, he will transform you. I mean, that is the good news. When I look at some of those worldviews, I realize that some of those worldviews have have left an imprint upon me because sometimes I do think about myself as I'm formed by the things I own. I'm I'm a truck guy. Sometimes I can settle into that hyper individualistic mind frame, mindset that really does shape our Western worldview in so many ways. Sometimes I can think that I'm at the center of my own universe. Sometimes I think if I I just have somebody to spill all my stuff to, I'll be able to find freedom from those things. And even for me, God still makes this promise. Even to me, God still says, If you will allow me to form you over the days and through the days of your life, I will transform you. So we're asking the question again this month, what is shaping you? This morning you may be sitting where you are, feeling like, look, I I know I've allowed so many things to shape me that aren't God, that aren't of God. And I I need to get back to that place. I need to get to that place for the first time where I say, God, I want you to shape me more than anything else. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song. And maybe you want to respond like we used to years ago, where people come forward and they actually say, I need the church to pray for me, or I need to take that first step, and I need to walk out in faith, and I need to let God be. The primary influence in my life. And if you want to respond that way, you can. If you just want to turn to your neighbor, maybe the person you came with, and you just want to make a confession to them, I've been allowing other things to shape me, but I need God to shape me more than anything. If you want to talk to someone about taking the next step, maybe taking the first step in your relationship with God, I want to challenge you, don't leave here this morning without having had that conversation. Because the God who made you, who designed you, promises if you will let him form you, he will transform you. If you're unfamiliar with who Renew.org
0: is, I want to just take one second and tell you a little bit about who we are and what we're all about. We care a ton about the theology behind Jesus-style disciple-making and really creating that firm foundation for churches and organizations to build upon. We invite you to check us out at Renew.org where we have free resources resources ebooks podcast and also we have a national conference that we have every year and we're gathering in indianapolis this year on april 25th and 26th we just invite you to grab some tickets check us out online and see what we're all about hello listener thank you for tuning into a renew.org podcast we want to invite you to join us this April in Indianapolis for our 2024 Gathering Courageous Renewal. We will feature speakers such as Anthony Walker, Tina Wilson, Bobby Harrington, Jonathan Storman, and so much more. Secure your spot now at renew.org slash events. That is renew.org slash events. Hope to see you there.